Alrighty, welcome back to chapter 24, Environmental Emergencies. Our overview is going to be heat and cold emergencies, exposure to cold, exposure to heat, exercise-associated hypnotremia, tremia, excuse me, uh, bites and stings, lightning strike injuries, and high-altitude sickness. Our case study introduction, EMTs Seth Ebers and Steve Holly can feel the cold and wind despite their heavy winter gear as they head toward the center of an empty field where a police officer and bystanders are surrounding someone on the ground. I'm glad you're here, says one of the bystanders. This is Stan. We hadn't seen him since last night, and we found him here this morning on our way to get breakfast. He's freezing cold. How should the EMTs organize their priorities in managing this patient? What findings should they anticipate in this patient? And what is the emergency care of this patient? Again, I encourage you to pause this video, write these questions down so you can answer them as we go along. Our introduction, environmental emergencies, disruptions in the body's physi physiology in response to elements in the patient's natural surroundings. Elements include the climate, altitude, lightning, and contact with insects or animals. All right, heat and cold emergencies, regulation of temperature. The body mechanisms normally keep the temperature at 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. Thermoreceptors send information to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus sends signals for adjustments to maintain body temperature. Heat is exchanged with the environment via a thermal gradient in which warmer temperatures move toward cooler temperatures. The body responds by increasing or decreasing the amount of heat produced or lost from the body. The body has two primary systems to regulate body temperature. Behavioral regulation, the patient makes a conscious effort to change the comfort level by taking some action. Um, sometimes when you're standing in the cold, if you move around, your body temperature will increase. One way that you can take action to do that. Uh, physiologic regulation, the body responds to thermoreceptors with the physiologic action to change the temperature, meaning the body notices something is wrong or the temperature needs to change in the body and it will change on its own. Cellular damage occurs when there are significant changes in the body's temperature. Heat is produced by metabolism. The body increases the metabolic rate when too much heat is lost from the body. Heat is conserved through vasoconstriction, so the blood vessels constrict to conserve heat. You may see that on a test in the future. Heat is lost through vasodilation, increased, increased blood flow to the skin, increased sweating, and increased respiration. When heat loss exceeds heat gain, hypothermia results. When heat gain exceeds heat loss, hyperthermia results. You need to know these. When heat loss exceeds heat gain, hypothermia. When heat gained exceeds heat lost, hyperthermia. When heat loss exceeds heat gain, take actions to reduce the patient's heat loss. Wind increases heat loss by convection. Wind chill increases the risk of hypothermia. So here's an illustration that shows a situation which a wet, poorly dressed climber has taken shelter in a crevice or among cold, wet rocks. It shows you the, uh, the five mechanisms of heat loss which you'll, you'll need to get to know. Excuse me, you'll need to get to know these. They're very important. Respiration heat is lost through exhalation of warm air and inhalation of cold air. 
Evaporation, respiration, or wet skin results in body heat loss when the liquid evaporates. Conduction, body heat is lost to nearby objects through direct physical touch. Convection, body heat is lost to surrounding air, which becomes warmer, oops, excuse me, warmer, rises, and replaced with cold air, cooler air. Body heat is lost through radiation to the atmosphere or nearby objects without physically touching them. You need to study this uh, figure as well. Okay, wind chill index. So if we look at the um, wind speed by miles per hour over here on the left, then we see what the thermometer reads. So we always look at wind chill uh, when it's cold, and we're always looking at heat index when it's hot. So we will see with the uh, wind speed and what the thermometer reads what it actually um, what it equals in effects to exposed flesh, so what you actually will feel. Um, so here in Louisiana, um, we're not going to be experiencing too much of this uh, cold here, but if we get sometimes we get 20, 25 mile an hour winds. Um, we're not we we hardly ever get down to. 20 degrees but you can see that even at, at the coldest Louisiana could be we'll just say 30 to be conservative with the wind chill uh, with the wind wind um, miles per hour 20 mile, mile 20 mile per hour wind you can get down to four degrees so it's pretty cold especially if you're not acclimatized to that and if you live in any colder climates well These are some of the things you're going to be experiencing. These are the temperatures that your body's going to be experiencing. Okay, when heat lost exceeds heat gained, exposure to water increases heat loss by conduction and evaporation. Um, so, touching the water will cause you to lose heat quicker, and then when you dry off, that evaporation will cause you to lose heat quicker. Okay? High relative humidity reduces uh, heat loss by evaporation. A relative humidity of 90% causes evaporation to become essentially ineffective. When heat gained exceeds heat loss, hyperthermia or high body temperature occurs when the body cannot cool itself effectively. It is most common in situations in which the air temperature is high, the humidity is high, and there is little or no breeze. Generalized hypothermia, thermoregulation uh, ability is lost when the body temperature reaches 95 degrees, coma occurs at 79 degrees, mortality is as high as 87%. It can have a sudden onset as when someone falls through ice or a gradual onset as from prolonged exposure to wind cold air cool water now you look at 79 degrees where coma occurs that's a body temperature now and that's not the outside environment but still that doesn't seem very cold at all so we hear I'm right here we're looking at signs and symptoms of a sinking core temperature so that thermometer is our core temperature and we go all the way to the right over here and we see 95 to 98 degrees and we look at the signs and symptoms Cold, pale skin, alert and shivering, poor muscle coordination, rapid breathing, rapid heart rate. 
Drop down to 90 to 95, cold, waxy skin, puffy face, possibly pink, uh, confusion, muscle rigidity, no shivering, slow heart rate. 86 to 90, dilated pupils, diminished reflexes, stupor or coma, rigid muscles, slow breathing rate, hypotension, and slow heart rate. 82 to 86, fixed dilated pupils, coma, flaccid muscles, slow respiration, slow or rapid heart rate, possible cardiac arrest. 68 degrees to 82 degrees, cyanosis, fixed dilated pupils, unresponsive, barely detectable vital signs, irregular pulse, and cardiac arrest. All right, so the pathophysiology of generalized hypothermia. Here's some predisposing factors. Ambient temperature, wind chill and moisture, extremes of age in your patient, medical conditions of your patient, alcohol, drugs and poisons, clothing and duration of exposure, and activity level. So you see the person on the left is dressed too lightly for the outdoor activity on a very cold day. Person on the right, figure B, uh, sleeping outdoors on a cool surface in cool weather. Could both uh, be subject to possible hypothermia. Okay, here are the stages of hypothermia mild, moderate, severe, and profound. Look at the, the degrees in, Fahr in Fahrenheit, please. The core temperature ranges. Stages of hypothermia initial reactions to cold exposure increased, increases uh, in the basal metabolic rate, muscular shivering, and pyloerection or goosebumps. In hypothermia, these mechanisms are not enough to maintain body temperature. Immersion hypothermia, heat loss occurs 25 to 30 times faster in water than in air. Death can occur in minutes in water temperatures as high as 50 degrees. There are two phases to cold water immersion response, cold shock response, and cold incapacitation. Sudden death within 24 hours following rescue has been reported in approximately 20% of the immersion patients. Cold water immersion uh, patients should be kept in a supine position and should not be asked to do any physical activity that is not necessary. Alright, so here are the effects of water temperature on survival and cold water immersion. We look on the left, we see hours of exposure life expectancy with no exposure and here's the water temperature here so dark blue is lethal light blue is minimal and then we have our safe zone urban hypothermia illness medication and age predispose patients to hypothermia External hypothermia occurs because of inadequate access to shelter. Internal hypothermia occurs because of inadequate heating of the home. A lot of um, people that live in colder climates, elderly, they get prideful and they don't want to say anything about their heater being out. They just figure they can cover up with a blank, couple blankets or something and they'll be all right but their core temperature drops, causes hypothermia. Oh, go back. 
Myxedema coma. Uh, the thyroid horm hormone maintains a normal metabolic rate. Myxedema coma is a complication of chronic hypothyroidism. Core temperature may be as low as 75 degrees. So this is going to be something to do with the thyroid. Immersion foot and trench foot. Erythema. Erith, excuse me. I'll get it out. Erythema, white, mottled, or cyanotic. Uh, that's the color that you're going to be looking for. Maceration, blisters and open sores. Edema, pulseless, numbness, or no feeling. Uh, anesthesia. Um, clumsiness, cold, cool or cold but not frozen, uh, freezing cold injury, local cold injury occurs when ice crystals form between the cells of the skin, it tends to occur on the hands, feet, ears, nose, and cheeks, cold injury requires much colder temperatures than are needed to produce generalized hypothermia. Predisposing factors to freezing cold injury, any kind of trauma, extremes of age, wet clothing or tight footwear, use of alcohol, high altitudes, loss of blood, and arteriosclerosis. Okay. Local cold injuries may progress from early or superficial to late or deep. So we see early or superficial cold injury usually involves the tips of the ears, the nose, cheekbones, tips of the toes or fingers, and the chin. Uh, things that are sticking out that can get cold first. Uh, the patient's usually unaware of the injury. As exposure time lengthens or temperature drops, the patient will lose feeling and sensation in the affected area. The skin remains soft but cold to the touch, and normal skin color does not return after palpation. As the area rewarms, the patient may report a tingling sensation. Late or deep cold injury involves both skin and tissue beneath it. The skin itself is white and waxy with a firm to completely solid frozen feeling. Swelling and blisters filled with clear or straw colored fluid may be present. As the area thaws, it may become blotchy or mottled with colors from, the, from white to purple to grayish blue. Deep cold injury is an extreme emergency and can result in permanent tissue loss. Okay, here's a, a late or deep freezing cold injury. The skin can appear white and waxy and feel firm to solid, fro solidly, solidly frozen. I'll get it out. Swelling and blisters can be present. Um, as the those injuries thaw, it can become blotchy or mottled and colored from white to purple to grayish blue. Okay, the pathophysiology of a freezing cold injury. Stages of freezing cold injury, early or superficial freezing cold injury, usually involves the tips of the ears, nose, cheekbones, tips of the toes or fingers, and the chin. We just went over that in that uh, picture of that lady. Later deep freezing cold injury involves both skin and tissue beneath it. Our uh, emergency related, uh, our cold related emergency um, assessment based approach. We need to uh, do our scene size up, ensure your own safety. You don't want to fall through ice. You want to get stuck in the snow. Anything that can predispose you to uh, a cold injury as well. Look for clues to how the environment has affected the patient. 
mechanisms mechanisms of heat loss and predisposing factors. Is the patient's clothing wet? Are they dressed in the for the environment? What's the temperature inside the residence? Has the patient ingested alcohol or been using drugs? Any injury that can interfere with the normal thermoregulation. During your primary, get a general impression. Are the risk factors uh, for or indications of hypothermia? Assess the mental status. Assess and maintain the airway. Uh, respiration slow and eventually stop in hypothermia. Maintain oxygenation. Check the pulse carefully. If it is completely absent, begin chest compressions following, uh, followed by ventilation. A hypothermic patient is high, a high priority for transport. Secondary assessment, place the patient in a warm environment. Obtain a medical history. Current and past history. Predisposing factors to hypothermia. Perform a physical exam. That means you need, you need to examine the whole, the person's whole body. Look for signs of trauma, signs of hypothermia. Obtain baseline vital signs. Obtain temperature if possible. So we see on the left um, how the hypothermia is going to infect our central nervous system. And then we see on the right how it would affect our vital signs. You need to look at this, um, this figure and this chart. You need to know it. Stages of hypothermia and associated physiologic changes. Um, we, we saw this, the, the mild, moderate, um, severe, and profound earlier with the temperature ratings. Now here are the physiologic changes. I'm not going to read them all. You need to look at this. Um, it's figure 24-2 uh, in your textbook, or table 24-2, excuse me. But you can see when all these things are going to take place in relation to the temperature of the body. Emergency medical care for generalized hypothermia. Uh, use your basic principles. Prevent further heat loss. Rewarm the patient as quickly and safely as possible. And be alert for complications. Remove the patient from the environment and prevent further heat loss. Handle the patient gently. Maintain adequate oxygenation. If the patient goes into cardiac arrest, immediately initiate CPR beginning with chest compressions and apply the AED. Actively rewarm patients with moderate and severe hypothermia. Alright, so here's a way to actively rewarm your patient. Placing heat packs in the groin and the armpits and on the chest, insulating the packs to prevent burns, and then uh, cover with blankets to mac maximize the effects of the heat packs. Emergency medical care for generalized hypothermia. Passive rewarming should be applied to all hypothermic patients. Do not allow the patient to take stimulants. Never rub or massage the patient's arms or legs. Transport as quickly as possible. The reason why we don't want to rub them is because of the, the circulation that's coming back. Uh, it could cause pain. Passive rewarming includes wrapping the patient in a blanket and turning up the heat in the patient compartment. Emergency, emergency medical care for immersion hypothermia. Instruct the patient in the water to make the least effort needed to stay afloat. Remove the patient from the water in a horizontal position. Remove wet clothing. Signs and symptoms of freezing cold injury, early or superficial. Blanching of the skin, loss of sensation, 
tissue soft to palpation, and tingling during rewarming. Uh, late or deep uh, signs and symptoms of a freezing cold injury. White waxy skin, firm to frozen feeling on palpation, swelling and blisters. If thawing has occurred, skin is mottled or cyanotic. Emergency medical care for freezing cold injury. Never allow the tissue to thaw if there's any possibility of it refreezing. So if you think, if you think that injury could refreeze, please do not thaw it. Follow medical direction and local protocol. Remove the patient immediately from the cold environment if possible. Maintain oxygenation, SpO2 94% or greater. Prevent further injury to the affected part. Emergency medical care for a late or deep freezing cold injury. Rewarming may be necessary for a long or delayed transport. Follow protocol, contact medical direction. Rapid rewarming is preferred. Rewarming will be painful. I don't know if you're going to have uh, the ability to fill up your trash can with water at 100 to 110 degrees, but if you can, then by all means do it. Your reassessment. Reassess all cold emergency patients. Monitor mental status, airway, and breathing. Begin CPR if pulseless. Apply the AED. Assess affected areas and check vital signs every five minutes. All right, click on the mechanism of heat loss that is increased with increased wind speeds. Give you a few seconds to look. And if you chose D, convection, you are correct. Convection, warm, uh, convection warms air molecules in immediate contact with the skin. As wind speeds increase, removing the warmed air and replacing it with cold air. Heat loss increases as heat loss is as heat is lost to the colder air. Okay, hyperthermia. Hyperthermia. Hyperthermia is caused by an increase in the body's heat production or inability to eliminate the heat produced. Various stages of hyperthermia are heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and heat stroke. Heat cramps are muscle spasms that are related to an electrolyte imbalance of the body. The large flexor groups are usually affected first. Heat exhaustion is a mild state of shock. Vasodilation leads to blood pooling beneath the skin. In extreme cases, organs are not well perfused. Prolonged and profuse results in salt and water loss. Heat stroke. Thermoregulation fails. The body is unable to cool itself. High body temperature damages brain cells. Mortality ranges from 20% to 80%. It may be classic, non-exertional, where the, the, the patient has not exerted themselves, or it may be exertional, where they've, they've done some kind of activity. Predisposing factors. Climate, exercise, and strenuous activity. Extremes of age, pre-existing illnesses, drugs, and medications, and lack of acclimation. Exercise and strenuous activity can cause a loss of more than one liter of sweat per hour. Assessment-based approach. You need to do your scene size up, protect yourself from overexposure to heat, check surroundings for clues to heat exposure or exertion, look for medications and drugs.
Okay, so just like we had the wind chill factor, uh, we're going to be talking about the heat index now. Um, if you look on the left, you see the relative humidity and percentage. The top going across is your temperature in Fahrenheit. Now, we could definitely see stuff like this in Louisiana. Um, if we've reached temperatures of 102 before, 104. If you go down from, like, say, uh, let's just say 100 degrees, so that's not odd for us to reach 100 degrees here. And we get a, a humidity of 75%. We are well into the extreme danger of heat index. Uh, usually our, our, our heat index, our, our humidity stays between like 60 and 65. Um, so we're still looking at 120 something degrees uh, heat index. And that's really not a good thing. Your primary assessment, form a general impression, assess the mental status, assess the airway and breathing, maintain oxygenation. And check pulse and skin. Your secondary assessment, move the patient to a cool environment, obtain a history, uh, check their medication, what kind of medications, what was the last thing they ate or drank, and what were the events leading up to the situation. Do your physical exam and get your vital signs. Here's signs and symptoms of serious heat emergency. Uh, begins with a headache. It affects both your central nervous system and your uh, circulatory system, um, affecting your vital signs. So you can look at um, look at this figure and study it. Emergency medical care for heat emergency patient with moist, pale, normal, normal to cool skin. Move the patient to a cool place, maintain adequate oxygenation, remove heavy clothing, and cool the patient. If the skin is moist, pale, and normal to cool, place the patient in a cool environment, mist with water, or apply cold, wet compresses, and fan to promote cooling. Remember that air blowing across their body is convection, and it will uh, that, that warm air will replace itself with cool air. Um... Place the patient supine. Consider elevating the feet. Use lateral re uh, the lateral recumbent position if, if nauseated or vomiting. If the patient is alert and not nauseated, give cool water to drink. This will be the only time you're going to give your patient something to take orally other than their, other than their medications that you can give in your scope of practice. Otherwise, we are not letting our patients eat or drink while we're on scene. Give nothing by mouth if the patient has an altered mental status or is vomiting. We don't want them to choke or aspirate. Uh, make a transport decision. Has altered mental status or no medical problems. Uh, is vomiting, um, let's see, yeah. Is vomiting, nauseated, or refuses the fluids. Has a core temperature of greater than 100 and does not respond to treatment. Sometimes your patients will be hot. Because of an infection and they will feel cold um, please do not give them a blanket if their skin is hot to the touch um, patients with hot skin that is moist or dry this is a dire emergency cooling is the highest priority except airway breathing and circulation remove the patient from the hot environment remove as much of the patient's clothing as possible maintain adequate oxygenation Begin immediate cooling. Pour tepid water over the patient, cold packs in the groin, armpits, 
at each side of the neck and behind the knees. Fan aggressively and keep the skin wet. Um, if you got something to keep uh, spray on them like that, you can. Um, you, they need to get you need to cool them off as fast as you can. Then after you do that, you can wrap them in a wet sheet and continue to fan them. Um, be prepared for complications such as seizures and aspiration. Transport immediately. Continuing cooling methods. Emergency medical care for heat cramps. Remove the patient from the hot environment. Consult medical direction about giving sips of low concentration salt water or a commercial product. Apply moist towels to the forehead and cramped muscles. Try to stretch the muscles involved. Educate the patient about the events and advise, avoid, advise them to avoid exertion for 12 hours. Doing your reassessment of uh, heat-related emergencies, check the mental status, airway, breathing, circulation, vital signs every five minutes, and treatment, the treatment that you've given them. Okay, exercise-associated hyponatremia, hyponatremia, severe electrolyte imbalance, not a core temperature disorder. It results from consuming large amounts of water during prolonged physical activity results in cerebral edema or pulmonary edema. The emergency care would be to place the patient in a Fowler's position, that's sitting up, place in a left lateral recumbent position if they're unconscious in case they throw up. Prepare for projectile vomiting. Give no fluids. Be prepared for seizures. So, consuming large amounts of water during prolonged physical activity I guess these people are just afraid they're going to dehydrate really, really fast, so they drink a lot, a lot of water. It causes that cerebral, which is their brain, and their pulmonary edema. Edema is swelling, so there's fluid buildup. All right, case study conclusion. The EMTs quickly determine that Stan is unresponsive, but that respiration and pulse are present. They immobilize Stan on a long backboard with cervical collar in place and move him into the ambulance before further assessment or treatment. Once in the ambulance, Steve reassesses the airway and breathing and decides to insert a nasopharyngeal airway and assist ventilations. At the same time, Seth removes Stan's wet clothing and covers him with blankets. Seth puts the heat in the ambulance on high and continues a physical exam. He finds a hematoma on Stan's head as well as abrasions on his hands, suggesting there may be injury in addition to cold exposure. Without further delay, the EMTs begin transport with Steve managing the airway and ventilations and monitoring the patient's pulse. At the hospital, it is determined that Stan's core temperature is 89 degrees. Rewarming measures are implemented as a thorough examination is performed. Although Stan's blood alcohol level is elevated, his injuries appear to be minor. The nursing staff continues to monitor Stan carefully for complications of hypothermia and rewarming. All right, bites and stings, good old environmental emergencies. Poisonous snakes include pit vipers and coral snakes. Symptoms usually begin immediately if the bite is envenomated. Pit viper bites are characterized by one or two puncture marks. Here's your case study intro. Randy Rask is on foot cutting through an open space on the edge of the city, hoping to reach the bus stop in time so he can get out of the desert heat. As he walks by some sagebrush, he feels a sharp stinging 
At the same time, he hears the rattler's warning. Looking down, he sees two small puncture wounds just above his left ankle. Oh no, he thinks, and pulls out his cell phone to call 911. When EMTs arrive, what should their initial actions be? What is the pre-hospital treatment for a snake bite? Again, pause the video, write the questions down so that you can answer them in, as we go along. All right, snake bite, poisonous snake characteristics. Uh, large, because you know some snakes are venomous, some are not. Large fangs, except the coral snake. Elliptical pupils, a pit between the eye and the mouth. That's why I call them pit vipers. Blotches on the skin. Coral snakes have rings. Large triangular head. So I would, I would encourage you to uh, whatever area that you live in in this country to look up uh, the snakes that are uh, known to be in those areas and study them and look and see so that you know um, what's venomous and what's not. There's your typical rattlesnake bite. Uh, envenomated pit vipers, uh, viper bites cause signs and symptoms immediately. Coral snake bites effects can be delayed one to eight hours. Several factors affect the severity of the bite. Snake bites of the hand. Factors affecting snake bite severity is the amount of venom injected, the location of the bite, presence of pathogens, patient's weight and size, patient's health, the amount of physical activity following the bite. The more physical activity you do, the more uh, circulation is going to happen. And if that stuff hits your bloodstream and you circulate it faster, well, it's just going to get into those vital organs a lot faster. Insect bites and stings. Most bites and stings are not serious, but severe allergic reactions can occur. Many people who are allergic to sting to the stings of bees, wasp hornets, and yellow jackets, and hopefully they know it and they carry an epinephrine auto injector or two. Uh, localized signs and symptoms include sharp, sharp stinging, pain, itching, redness, tenderness, and swelling. The black widow spider uh, has a characteristic black body with a red hourglass marking on the abdomen. I know you're going to turn over that spider and look and see, right? No, I didn't think so. The bite can be fatal. Extremes of age, chronic illness, and hypertension increase the risk of severe reaction. The black widow spider bites can cause initial pinprick sensation that becomes a dull ache, severe muscle uh, spasms, rigid board-like abdomen, dizziness, nausea, and vomiting, and respiratory distress in severe cases. Brown recluse spider. Uh, if you live in Louisiana, South Louisiana, you know we have these. Uh, we, do, we also have black widows, but we definitely have a lot of brown recluse spiders. Uh, they are characteristic, characteristically brown with a darker violin shape mark on the back. The bite usually does not heal and may require surgical repair. I had one on my left leg and they had to cut a big gaping hole so that it could drain. And um, it's still a big, huge scar there. And I can't feel anything within an inch of that injury because of just nerve damage. Uh, yep, that's what it looks like. Starts off maybe as a big pimple. You try to pop it, you agitate it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're like, oh no, I might need to go to the doctor. And then he goes, oh, you got bit by a spider. Scorpions. Um, I don't know if we have scorpions in Louisiana. I want to say that we do, but I could be wrong. 
only one species in the U.S. produces a bite that can be fatal. The severity depends on the amount of venom injected, and signs and symptoms can include sharp pain, drooling, poor coordination, incontinence, and seizures. Fire ants. We definitely have those here in Louisiana. It has a painful bite that produces fluid-filled vesicles. Localized reaction can affect the entire extremity. Uh, ticks. Ticks can carry uh, tick fever, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, Lyme disease, and other diseases. Lyme disease is one of the most prominent types of uh, diseases it can carry. I know some people who have Lyme disease because of tick bites. Um, we, we live in a hot climate and wooded, swampy area, so ticks are very, very prevalent. Remove ticks promptly by pulling them out of the uh, skin with tweezers. They actually make these cool little uh, tick removal tools now that are guaranteed to get the head out because they will bury their heads and um, it'll just be bad. Wash the wound with soap and water and apply an antiseptic. There you go. So that big orange thing is the tick's body full of blood. And you can look right here. That's the head. That head is embedded in that scalp right there. Yup. It's disgusting. Alright, scene size up for bites and stings. Exercise caution to avoid snakes or insects. Look for clues to what may have caused the bite. Look and listen for swarming bees or hornets. Please don't become a second patient. During your primary assessment, form a general impression. Assess the mental status. Be alert to signs of anaphylaxis when assessing the airway and breathing. During your secondary assessment, look for signs and symptoms of anaphylactic shock and intervene immediately as needed. Look for signs and symptoms of localized reactions and uh, treatment. Treat similarly as injected poison. So localized reaction means like where the bite actually occurred. Is there hives popping up? Is there a rash? That sort of thing. Swelling. Um, signs and symptoms of anaphylaxis. You're going to see hives all over the body or in the area where he was bitten or stung. Stung. Uh, and flushing skin, upper airway obstruction because of swelling, faintness or dizziness, and generalized itching. Generalized swelling, difficulty swallowing, shortness of breath, wheezing, and strider, labored breathing, and abdominal cramps. Emergency medical care for anaphylactic shock. Maintain the patient's airway. Maintain adequate oxygenation and assist ventilations if breathing is inadequate. Uh, administer epinephrine auto by auto-injector if prescribed by the patient and approved by medical direction. Request ALS and initiate early transport. Uh, we will also uh, learn how to uh, draw up epinephrine in a syringe and administer it intramuscularly. Signs and symptoms of a bite or sting. Um, do they have a history of bites or stings? And, you know, do they get bit? Do they get stung? Immediate severe pain or burning. Area may become numb. Redness or discoloration, swelling, weakness, or faintness. Dizziness, chills, fever, nausea, and vomiting, bite marks, and stinger. Remove the stinger by scraping. Wash the area. Remove jewelry or constricting objects because you don't want the hand to swell up uh, or the, the, the body to swell up around that jewelry and it'll have to be cut off. Lower the affected area below the heart. We want to slow that uh, venom or, or, or poison from getting to the heart quicker. Apply a cold pack to insects bi insect bites, not snake or marine animal bites. Follow medical direction concerning use of a constricting band or for snake bites. 
Observe carefully for anaphylaxis. Keep patient calm and limit activity. And reassess. Reassessment. Monitor the patient's airway, breathing, and circulation. Signs and symptoms of anaphylactic shock can take minutes to several hours to develop. Marine life bites and stings. Most cases of marine poisoning occur when a person swims into or steps on an animal. Um, venom may cause extensive damage. Venom is destroyed by heat. Some effective anti-venoms are available. Try to identify the marine animal. Emergency medical care for marine life poisoning. Treat similarly as soft tissue injuries. Use forceps to remove material that's stuck to the sting site. Then irrigate with water. Do not attempt to remove embedded spines. For jellyfish, coral, hydra, or anemone, remove dry tentacles and pour vinegar over the area. Apply heat for 30 minutes or throughout transport. Click on the item below that is the characteristics of pit vipers. Give you a second to look at it. If you chose C, you are correct. Pit vipers have large fangs, a large triangular head, uh, elliptical pupils, and a pit between the eye and the mouth. Lightning strike injuries. 100 million to 2 billion volts per bolt of lightning. Amperage as high as 200,000. Duration of 1 one hundredth to 1 one thousandth of a second. Um, travels 1 to 2 million meters per second. Contact temperature is 15,000 degrees to 60,000 degrees. Very hot and very powerful um, occurrence. The pathophysiology of a lightning strike. Rapid expansion of air around the lightning bolt propels the person causing blunt trauma. That's if you don't get hit by the lightning itself. Changes in air pressure can damage the body's air-containing cavities. It can cause uh, a ruptured lung, collapsed lung, or broken ribs, penetrating trauma. Four mechanisms of lightning strike, lightning strike injury. A direct strike, I mean you got hit direct by the lightning. Contact strike, uh, where it may have hit the ground and then Shot over to you, splash or side flash strike. Um, you've seen lightning branch out from itself. And then ground current or step voltage strike. The heart and nervous tissue are sensitive to electrical energy of lightning. Um, lightning can overwhelm a short, and short circuit the body's electrical system. Cardiac or respiratory arrest may occur. Signs and symptoms of the nervous system, altered mental status, retrograde or anterograde amnesia, weakness, pain, tingling, and numbness, pale, cool, clammy skin, possible mottling or cyanosis, temporal paralysis, dizziness and vertigo, loss of pupillary function, and seizures. Cardiac signs and symptoms, asystole or ventricular fibrillation. Those are your... Uh, heart rhythms, and an irregular pulse, respiratory, respiratory distress, and apnea, apnea is the absence of breathing, skin, you'll see burns or feathering, we'll show you what feathering is here in just a minute, 
uh, musculoskeletal, uh, would be like dislocations, fractures, that sort of thing. This is feathering pattern, uh, lightning strike you can see on his left shoulder there, where it possibly got struck by lightning and his skin feathered out from the electricity going through his body. Your eyes, you'll see unequal pupils, drooping eyelids, ears, ruptured eardrum, tinnitus, deafness. Focus on nervous system damage and possible cardiac dysrhythmias. Ensure the scene is safe. If the clothing is on fire, put it out. Establish an inline manual stabilization. If mental status is altered, open the airway. Begin CPR and apply an AD for cardiac arrest. Apply positive pressure ventilation for inadequate breathing. Maintain the oxygenation. Maintain complete spine motion restriction. Transport while continuously monitoring the patient's condition. High altitude sickness. Uh, at high altitude, atmospheric pressure is decreased, which makes less oxygen available. Decreased oxygen can aggravate pre-existing medical conditions. Illness may occur even in healthy individuals at high altitudes. High altitude is greater than 5,000 feet, but serious illness usually occurs at altitudes at greater than 8,000 feet, especially with rapid ascent. I will tell you that for I lived at 8,000 feet for a week, and I literally thought I was going to die. I could barely breathe. I was nauseated. I was throwing up. It was terrible. After a couple of days, I became acclimated, and uh, and I was okay, but, you know, it just took took a few days. Uh, signs and symptoms of high altitude sickness, general ill feeling, loss of appetite, headache, sleep disturbance, respiratory distress on exertion, acute mountain sickness. Acute mountain sickness occurs when there is a rapid ascent to 6,600 feet or higher. Symptoms develop 6 to 24 hours after the ascent Symptoms can worsen if the person ascends higher. Signs and symptoms of acute mountain sickness. Weakness, headache, nausea, shortness of breath, lightheadedness, loss of appetite, fatigue, difficulty sleeping. Severe weakness, decreased urine output, vomiting, increased shortness of breath, altered mental status. Emergency medical care for acute, uh, acute mountain sickness. Primary care is descent to lower to a lower altitude. Oxygen may relieve signs and symptoms, and SpO2 of 90% is normal at high altitudes. High altitude pulmonary edema or HAPE affects the lungs and gas exchange, can occur at greater than 8,000 feet, but usually occurs at greater than 14,500 feet. Signs and symptoms of high altitude pulmonary edema, shortness of breath, at rest, cyanosis, cough, fatigue, weakness, weakness, loss of appetite, tachypnea, tachycardia, crackles or wheezing, headache. Emergency medical care, the best treatment is descend to a lower altitude. Oxygen administration may relieve signs and symptoms. High altitude cerebral edema, the brain. Um, most cases occur at greater than 12,000 feet. Collection of fluid within the brain tissue results in increased pressure than the skull. 
Signs and symptoms are severe headache, incoordination, nausea and vomiting, altered mental status, seizures, coma. Emergency medical care, descent to a lower altitude, supplemental oxygen, in some cases with positive pressure ventilation. Case study 2 conclusion, when the EMTs arrive, thankful for boots that reach above the ankle, they look and listen carefully as they approach Randy and ask him if he saw where the snake went. Rather than begin secondary assessment and treatment in the open space, the EMTs feel it is safer to place Randy in the ambulance first. Randy is positioned with his legs flat on the stretcher for the ride to the hospital. The EMT caring for Randy obtains a history and complete set of vitals and places a dressing over the puncture wound, which continue to ooze blood. He then notifies the receiving hospital, giving a description of the snake as Randy has described it to him. Medical direction advises against a constricting band. By the time they reach the hospital, Randy's left foot and ankle have begun to discolor and are swollen. Fortunately, antivenom is immediately available. Okay, our summary. The body's thermal regulation mechanisms normally keep the body temperature at 98.6 degrees. When heat loss exceeds heat production, hypothermia results. When heat gain exceeds heat loss, hyperthermia results. Cold-related emergencies include generalized hypothermia and local cold injuries. Heat-related emergencies include heat cramps, heat exhaustion, and heat stroke. Lightning strikes may cause serious injury to the nervous and cardiovascular systems, as well as causing burns and blunt trauma. Altitude sickness generally occurs at levels of greater than 8,000 feet. An important part of treating altitude sickness is to get the patient to a lower altitude. All right, I will see you next time.